Hi guys, welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I'm your host Monica and I am joined with no guests today. It's just me sitting here on my own and you know what that's great and I just want to say I'm really happy to be here. Um, we just didn't get a guest this week and I still wanted to put out an episode because I know I say like New week, new topic, new guest, new guest every single week. But surprise, surprise, it's kind of hard to bring out a new guest every single week. So I am here on my own, but that's okay. That's a-okay. And I'm glad that I'm here with you guys because I am going to be talking about something a little more personal here. Um, You guys may not be... um, Actually, I feel like some people may know this if, you listen to, if you've been listening to podcasts for a while. But I used to not like horror movies. I used to be someone who wasn't a huge fan of horror films. And there's a number of reasons as to why. But before I get into that, I just want to say, first and foremost, the writer's strike is over. Which is great news. I'm so happy. I, I think it's a really great thing. I am so happy for the uh, WGA. Um... I'm so glad that they were able to reach an agreement with, you know, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, a.k.a. AMPTP. And the deal addresses the writer's concerns about compensation and the future of their profession, which means that late night and daytime television are expected to return on air. But most TV and film production can't resume yet um, because the actor strike is still going on. But thankfully, I'm very glad that the writers were able to reach a fair deal and now the writers can go back to work. Currently, the actor strike, it has been ongoing since July. The writer strike was going ongoing since May. And the actor strike could potentially drag on as SAG-AFTRA leaders are entering talks with big Hollywood studios. Now, they are going to be meeting at the table to negotiate in the coming week. And I am just hoping and praying that they secure their rights and ensure fair compensation for themselves and their brothers and sisters. If you heard that, it was my phone falling down because I tried to go live on TikTok and my phone was telling me, girl, we ain't doing this. So you know what? I'm just going to end it here. But you know what, guys? I'm very glad to hear the news. I think it's wonderful. I think it's great. And I'm really, really happy for them. I truly am. And I hope that the actors can get their fair deal as well. And we can just see a whole lot of improvement all across the board. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm wishing for. And I feel like that's going to happen. We just got to, you know, keep faith alive. But it's really awesome to see that they've reached this agreement. And... Just as a reminder for anybody, the actors are currently on strike because they want increased pay. You know, they believe that their compensation has not been kept up with the rising profits of the entertainment industry, which makes sense because there have been a lot of actors sharing um, their residual checks they get for streaming services, but they show that they don't really get that much money. They get nothing. They get sent. Some actors get no money from streaming residuals, which is honestly really sad and very disappointing. Like Aaron Paul said that he doesn't get paid anything from um, the Breaking Bad streaming residuals, which is complete and utter BS since Breaking Bad is one of the most watched shows on Netflix's platform. Like, it's so popular. It's so incredibly popular. He should be getting paid for that. And of course you can say Aaron Paul is rich. Aaron Paul has so much money. Why does he need extra money? And yeah, he is rich. But there are plenty of people who 
go have shows on Netflix who are not as rich as Aaron Paul or not as well known and they still deserve fair compensation. And, you know, you have to meet a certain, you have to make a certain amount of money each year in the union in order to get health insurance. So there are plenty of actors who are, who have TV shows that are on these big streaming platforms and these TV shows could be very well known and very popular, but they may not be making enough so that they can receive health insurance through their union. So they had to go through, you know, private kind of health insurance. And of course, that's a lot more expensive and that can be difficult when you live in Los Angeles and you have the kind of life that an actor leads, which is not a sustainable and something that is like a stable life. It can be difficult to keep up with that kind of life and it can cost a lot of money. So that's one thing actors are looking for. They're also, they are also demanding that their craft be compensated for television shows about as highly as their film appearances. Cause let's be honest, TV shows um, are getting a lot more expensive nowadays. Uh, there is an there is a increase in quality and production value in television content. And also people watch TV more than they watch movies anyways. People love to stay home and stream their favorite shows over and over and over again. People love watching TV. So if people are watching TV more than these actors and these writers should be paid more. I mean, that they're the reason why they're watching the show. People are watching the show in the first place. You know what I mean? And there are other needs that are being, that need to be um, addressed um, from various performers within the union, like dancers, stunt people. And also I know that VFX artists are also going on strike very soon or they are on strike currently and they deserve it because they are overworked and underpaid and they create some of the best movies that we have seen in the past couple years and they deserve fair compensation for the work that they put out and the work that we enjoy, okay? I love the Spider-Verse movies. I do with all of my heart. And I thought She-Hulk was a really good movie. I don't show. It was a really good show. I don't care what anyone says. Okay. The Megan Thee Stallion episode was fun. All right. I don't mind that Tatiana Maslany was twerking with Megan Thee Stallion. Okay. It was a fun show. We had a good time. And a lot of people were upset because Daredevil seemed like a slut. But obviously you didn't watch the Netflix Daredevil if you don't think that Daredevil is a slut. Anyways, I'm um, jumping around. But Yeah. All of these um, phenomenal, amazing, hardworking, incredibly talented people in the entertainment industry deserve to be fairly compensated for the work that they do to entertain us. You know, it's only fair. It's only right. And um, the work that they create is so unique and amazing and it's so moving and you love watching movies that pull you in, draw you in, and make you feel something. And you will not get that same result with using AI technology. And it's cool to see the um, growing use of artificial intelligence, but in the entertainment industry, it is quite concerning because there are companies that are scanning um, actors' likeness you know, to be manipulated by AI without adequate compensation. And they're concerned. They are concerned about the potential erasure of their profession and exploitation of their digital images simply because uh, studios want to save a little bit of money so they don't have to pay people fairly and they could just get a robot to do the same thing that um, Leonardo DiCaprio could do. But a robot cannot do it because all AI does is take images, popular images from the internet, images that are created and curated by people who, you know, 
are behind the camera who are in the editing room, the person in front of the camera, the writers who's writing the script and writing the story and the director who's pulling it all together and everyone else in the crew who is making this vision come true. And then an AI is just going to take the most popular search image to splice together some crappy movie trailer. And the people are going to be like, oh, you see an AI can make this. So it's like, no. It's not original, it's not real, it's BS. They just take little keywords, little things here and there, and they smash it to one thing and they want you to marvel at the, the complete mess that they've made that you think is a masterpiece, and it's not. It just isn't. So I'm very happy to hear that. And um, ever since the news of the writer's strike being over, you know, has broken. There's been some other news breaking, like a head writer from the Drew Barrymore show is not returning, which makes sense since this lady <laughs> came back, um, you know, to television. And I think that that is a theory that a lot of people have um, as to for the end of the writer strike, because when the writer strike was going on, there was like this overwhelming kind of... Um, there's like a general consensus with, I guess, society, you could say, that writers should be paid fairly. And it was a popular decision. But society, but the, the, the studios, the corporations, they were looking for one little tipping point, one little moment. And the fact that Drew Barrymore, someone who is beloved, someone who is very well-respected and is an a baby at that, and someone who's incredibly talented and well-liked among the general audience, was dogged out for you know bringing her show back on the air in the middle of a strike essentially scabbing that was really what made the studio see okay you know what if they can dog her out then what makes us that what makes you think that we're safe so there have been a lot of theories that that has pushed um studios to come to the table and really sit down and like be like you know what the negotiations the things y'all asking for it's not that much now that I think about it, it's not, yeah, I could, we could pay you more. Yeah, we could do that, you know? Yeah. Bear writing room? Sure, of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's one, that's a popular theory on the internet, but you know, you could do your own research and see what you think about that. And another piece of news that came out after the writer's strike was that Roy Wood Jr. is leaving The Daily Show, which makes me sad because I love Roy Wood Jr. I think he is a phenomenal, I know I said his name wrong. <laughs> Roy Wood Jr. I know he's a, he is a phenomenally hilarious and very, very talented uh, comedian and actor and writer. And I think he has been an essential part of The Daily Show for the longest time. He's honestly one of my favorite, favorite people on The Daily Show. And um, when Trevor Noah left, I really thought that Roy should have took should have taken his place. I feel like a lot of people felt like it should have been him or Hassan. And um, I feel like um, Hassan would have been a good pick as well. Although there have been, there's been a little bit of controversy around him because a lot of people have been saying that some of the stories in his, I think, memoir or in one of his comedy specials were exaggerated and he like kind of lied about stuff. 
So there's been that controversy going on with him. But I think that Roy would have been a really good replacement for Trevor. And I did like the fact that they did like different guest hosts on The Daily Show. I felt like that was a lot of fun to kind of let other um, comedians that are also politically minded and fall in alignment with the political, you know, idea of ideology of The Daily Show, you know, take a spin and, you know, take a chance to see what it'd be like for them to host a show and like see what different people fit, see what the response is, see what people think. I think Cal Penn is also a very good choice since he did work in the Obama um, administration. Did he work at the Parks and Rec Department? Yes, he did, okay? But he is like our gay Indian Leslie Pope and nope. Leslie, yeah, Leslie, nope. And I think he's, I think he'd be an awesome fit for the Daily Show, honestly. Cal Penn, he's also a designated survivor. He's also just in general a great actor and very smart and very articulate and just like one of my favorite people you know in the world um yeah but it makes me sad that he left you know he was a potential candidate for a permanent host position and um it was then revealed that the show had not offered him the job so it's kind of like rumored that that led to his decision to move on which i can respect and i can understand because writers who are talented and have worked in industry for a long time they deserve to recognize for the work that they do and if you don't think that he's good enough for that top spot that he's going to go somewhere else he's going to go somewhere where he is well regarded and he's going to get the recognition that he deserves he's going to go after it and he had said i think in an interview i believe he said that you can't really figure out plan b if you're still working on plan a so good on him for looking at his options and i just wish him the best of luck Okay, so that's going to wrap up me talking about the writer strike. Now I'm going to get into the meat of the podcast where I talk about um, horror movies. You know, it is October and during the month of October, I am going to have different people on talking about different horror movies and TV shows and we're just going to dive deep into it. This is going to extend into November because I feel like fall is like the perfect time to watch horror movies and I... I'm not sure if I'm going to do a Thanksgiving episode. Maybe, maybe not. We will see. But more than likely, what you're going to see is a bunch of scary, a bunch of episodes about scary movies and uh, horror TV shows. And then we're going to jump into Christmas. So that's just kind of like a little update for those listening about the podcast and upcoming episodes. Um, But today I want to talk about horror movies. I want to talk about me as a viewer, as a cinephile. Not really a cinephile because I don't really watch so many movies. And I keep forgetting to log shit into net into letterbox because I I just forget. I wanna talk about how I used to I I how I wanna talk about how I used to hate horror movies. And I never thought that I hated horror movies, but I didn't like them. They weren't my favorite, they weren't my go-to, they weren't things I wanted to watch. And I just said like, oh, I don't like horror movies. They're just not for me. But I never had a strong reason as to why. I would give up like, um, I would give like really baseless reasons. Like, oh, I don't like being scared. Or they're just, you know, they're too scared for me. I have an overactive imagination. I get nightmares. Um, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And there are many reasons as to why people don't like horror movies. You know, um, some people have these preconceived notion of horror films that there are a lot of jump scares in there and that it's violent and it's gory and it's bloody and they don't want to be subjected to that kind of stuff. I get that. That's fine. 
Um, there's a lot of reasons why people love horror movies too. The adrenaline, the thrill, the rush of horror movies. And I'm gonna take this time to talk about some of my favorite horror movies and some of the horror movies I've seen that I don't really generally like. But one thing that I noticed in the little research that I did for this episode was that I'll, a big reason as to why people don't like horror movies is because of di people's different like thresholds of fear and what people can handle when you're watching things and if something's too much or too little for them. And me, I like horror movies, but I don't like gore. I don't like violence. I don't like seeing people get like cut up and dying. I will for I will for real mute. I will put my fingers in my ears and cover my eyes. I will be that person in the horror movie and I will still go and watch a horror movie. So let's start from the beginning. Monica, why did you not like horror movies? And the real reason is that my parents said, let me watch them. And I was raised in a, I'm, I still live in this house. <laughs> I was raised in a very religious household where my parents were very strict. And essentially they would not let me watch anything that was not of God. Even watching like PBS kids, like watching Arthur Cyber Chase, if anybody knows Maya Miguel, you know what I'm talking about. Even watching educational television, my parents didn't like that. Reading books from my school library, my parents didn't like that. They want me to read my Bible, okay? And of course, horror movies was straight up out of the question. Now, violent movies like Kill Bill in Rush Hour, oh, that's fine. Watch them for your kids. It's okay. It's fine. You know, horror movies, absolutely not. That's of the devil. That's not of God. Um... And the first horror movie that I actually watched was called The Devil or Devil. And it's a horror movie about a group of people who go into an elevator and the elevator gets stuck. And they're trying to figure out how to fix the elevator. Like what's going on? And one by one people die in the elevator. You know, it's, it was very intense. And I watched this movie at, so funny. I watched this movie at a youth night. It was like a youth movie night or whatever. There was kind of like a religious undertone to the film and there was a somewhat moral, somewhat lesson of the movie. And I can't really say it because it's a huge spoiler and I haven't rewatched the movie as of late. But when I first watched the movie, it was my first indoctrination into horror films. And me watching it, I realized like that wasn't too scary. That wasn't so bad. And it first opened my eyes to horror and I was kind of like, you know, seeing this movie and seeing that I was able to get through it and cope and like live and survive and that my brain didn't deteriorate and I didn't burst into tears and I did absolutely start shivering, having anxiety attack after watching this movie shows me that like I was really scared for no reason. And it made me realize like maybe I do like this. Maybe I do like horror movies. So then um, when I was around 19 years old, I watched midsummer that was really what really brought me into horror movies because when i watched devil i think i was in middle school so i really wasn't getting into horror movies that much i also watched supernatural which is kind of like horror in the early seasons but really it's supernatural fantasy sci-fi blah 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 you know cw i was really into supernatural and i think that also kind of like opened my mind up or like um kind of like lower like it gave me a higher tolerance for horror and getting watching midsummer when i was 19 was so different because midsummer is not really a traditional horror movie i don't even know if it's a thriller per se it's most more like folk 
horror. And that's one thing that I learned in starting to watch horror movies. There are different kinds of movies. There's thriller, there's slasher, um, there's horror, there's comedy, there's really scary movies, there are gory ones, there are paranormal ones, there are supernatural ones. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know if there are romance ones. There are bad ones, there are good ones, there are some that spend too much time in the plot, not enough in the killing. There's some that are super, super gory, and that can be a bad thing, or it could be a good thing. It kind of depends. And there are some that have a really good idea, really strong theme and topic of the film, but then as you keep watching it, you're like, this is bad. That's how I felt about Malignant, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I love James Wan, but like, Malignant was not his best piece of work. And what's even more insulting was that it was on HBO. Like... How are you going to put this on a premiere streaming site? Well, it's not premiere anymore. David Sazlov killed HBO, y'all. RIP, girl. You deserve so much better. Yeah. Uh, what was I saying? Right. Malignant. Not great. But that's one thing that I learned. Um, a lot of times when people say they don't like horror movies, they have these weird pre preconceived notion of horror films. And the horror films that they know... Are like scream and then um it'll be like yeah they know movies like scream and then they know movies like uh uh what's that sludge um massacre movie texas chainsaw massacre they know those kind of horror movies but they don't think about movies like silence of the lambs you know they don't think about movies like um uh, I can't think of any of the classic movies. It Follows, I guess, is another classic film. Or It itself. Or Candyman. Those are really good um, classic horror movies. And another thing is that, like, newer horror movies are so much better. And they're smarter. And they have such cool concepts. And they're so amazing. And they draw you in. And it's not traditional scary horror. Cheap scares. A lot of gore. A lot of blood and guts. A lot of times... They could be gory, but still good. Like Train to Busan, there's a lot going on in that movie, but it's so good. There could be movies like Ready or Not, also gory, but also high action. And like, it starts off pretty slow, but you get, when you get into it, you get it into it. It gets going and it does not stop, you know? And a lot of people who are into horror movies say that like, only the classic ones are good. That's wrong. The classic ones are good. The classic ones are amazing. They're the classics for a reason okay they are the stepping stone into the new age of cinema in film in terms of horror and i have to say like comparing classic movies versus like newer age movies i feel like you can do that that's fine whatever but um okay i think i was getting away from my point sorry i just started to like this is why i can't do a podcast on my own i need someone else to keep me on track <laughs> but even when I have someone on the podcast with me, you guys will notice, like, we both will start, like, veering off on tangents, and then it's like, okay, how do we get here? How do we get back to the point? What I'm saying is that a lot of times people have preconceived notions about horror movies that they're bad, or they're not as interesting. They have, like, some negative associations with them. A lot of people think that they're predictable, unoriginal, and uncomfortable with horror movies. And I have to say, there are some horror movies that are very predictable. There are. Um, but there are some horror movies that are not predictable. 
There are times where you're watching a movie and you have no idea what's going on. You have no idea what's going to happen. Like, there's one film that I love called Hereditary. Girl, I had no clue. Because when you watch the trailer for the movie, it tells you one thing, right? And they start watching the movie and you're like, oh, this is not what I expected. What's happening? And you keep watching the movie and you're like, what's happening? And I loved it. I loved Hereditary. I watched Hereditary after I watched Midsummer because uh, Midsummer was an Ari Aster film. And I saw that he had another movie, Hereditary, and I watched that. And Midsummer and Hereditary are two completely different beasts. But they're both very, very good and really great. And I think watching Hereditary and being able to sit through it and get through it and like digest it and just kind of be like, oh, wow. I got to the end of the movie and I survived. I feel like that's what really helped me jump into horror. And it helped me get comfortable with it. You know, there are people who are uncomfortable with horror and it makes them feel kind of funny, you know, and it's scary and it's really intense for them. It could be very emotionally stimulated. And some of those people are like, I don't know how else to say it. They're pretty sensitive to certain things that they watch. And I get it. I understand. I also will cry at things that I watch on TV. Um, I've become a lot more emotional as a person. But um, with horror films, I feel like I can um, watch them and I'm scared, of course, but there's still like that little bit of an adrenaline rush when it comes to horror films for me. And also, um, when I watch horror movies, I can watch it and recognize it's a movie. This is not real. This isn't going to happen to me. Of course, it's a tense. It's a lot. And it's really good. And you watch a movie, you kind of like visualize it happening like as if it's real life. But me, when I'm watching a horror movie, I tell myself, this is fake. These are actors. This is not, this would not happen to me. Even if it's a horror movie, even if it's a movie like uh, Ma, you know, about a serial killer. You know, if it's a movie like, um... What's a horror movie that's a little bit based in reality? Halloween. You know? Well, Halloween, I mean, if there's one guy that lives in a town and he comes out on one day of the year, I girl, I'm booking a hotel thirty miles out. I'm leaving. I'm I'm hitting the deuce. I'm saying bye bye. Alright. But I can provide some kind of, I give myself some kind of like psychological distance for myself and the film that I'm watching and the characters so that I can watch the movie, you know? Some people have like negative associations with horror. Um, there are people who believe that if you like horror films, you lack empathy because you like to watch people be murdered and hurt. And you like to watch people in pain. And that's not the case. Like, I can watch a movie like... I can watch the Scream movies and I can feel terrible that this person has passed away because I've connected with this character and I think they're really great and really awesome and I'm sad, but it's a horror movie. People are going to die. It is what it is. I didn't come in here to watch Heartstopper. I didn't come in here to see uh, Driving Miss Daisy. I'm here to watch Scream. Hello. I know what I signed up for. I know what I'm here to see. I know what's up. Like, I'm not dumb, you know what I mean? And 
I just want to go back to the point where people say like horror movies are unoriginal. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have watched so many horror movies and a lot of them are so cool and amazing and innovative and unique and different from any other horror movie that I've seen. Are there some that are very similar to another? Yeah, but there are some horror movies that are just like, they're just different, bro. I don't know what else to say. Like Train to Busan, a masterpiece. Phenomenal. Love Train to Busan. The Invisible Man, I think it's one of the best horror movies that have ever been made. And it is a shame that it did not get nominated for an Oscar because Elizabeth Jones, I think her name is? Um, Elizabeth Moss, I think it is. Yeah, Elizabeth Moss. Girl, Scientology aside, she should have got it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. All right. There are some horror movies that I watched that are not good. Like, I wasn't a huge fan of the Candyman remake. I liked it. I did. But I've seen the original. You know what I mean? The original is top tier. No one can beat that. No one can top that. It's good. The remake was a nice imagining. I did like certain aspects of the film. There were certain technological feats that they made. There are certain things that they did in the movie that I thought was really cool. There are certain parts of the story that I wish they expanded on. I feel like the Candyman remake, in my opinion, should have been a limited series because then you would have been able to draw out some of the scares and draw out the story and really give it time to breathe and get to know more about the characters and be connected with the people. Because there are some things that they brought up in the movie that like I didn't feel that connected to because I didn't get enough time to like learn about the things that they talked about and I didn't feel like that much of a... I don't really like... You want me to care about this character and what they're going through and like, girl, I've... I don't know who this new person is that you're bringing up. And there are a lot of things that are happening in that movie. Like that guy got a bee sting and it turned into a wart and it turned into a, a tumor on his hand and took over his body. Like what's happening? What is this? You know what I mean? Um, Fresh was also a movie that is a horror film, pretty new. And I thought it was really, really good. Sebastian Stan playing a serial killer. Honestly, genius. Genius. I don't know why anyone did think of it earlier it's amazing and they're also like remakes horror movie like horror remakes i'm okay with i'm fine the halloween remake that came out the first one was good halloween kills no i think halloween kills is okay halloween ends is not great we'll just say that to leave it there um the new screen movies are very good i don't care what anyone says i think they're amazing and phenomenal and mason gooding is so <laughs> mason gooding he needs to be as he need they need to put him in something like he is just oh my gosh please please okay um yeah yeah there are a lot of horror movies that have come out that are very original and very different some of them are bad like infinity pool i did not like infinity pool i thought it was terrible i did not have fun the perfection the perfection is a horror movie that came out on netflix and it definitely was different It was different. In a good way? No. I actually didn't like the perfection. In my opinion, it was too much. You know? Um, honestly, I started watching it because Homegirl, the white girl, is from Get Out. And the girl from uh, Dear White People was in it. And I was kind of like, okay, I'm intrigued. Let's see what happens. And a little too much was happening in that film. And honestly, um, The Perfection is one of the shows that it's one of those things I have watched where I'm sitting here and I'm like, see, now why is this a movie? 
Why did somebody write this as a script and then y'all said yes to this project and then you did it? What made you say yes to this absolute, what the, what's going on here? The Perfection is one of those movies I watch where I'm like, yeah, maybe the FCC should put down some guidelines on what's on streaming services because this is going a little too far. Just a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And another reason why people don't like horror movies is because they have vivid imaginations. So they may have nightmares. And I used to be that person where I thought, I'm going to have nightmares if I watch horror movies. And then I brought myself back to reality and I was like, this shit is a real, Monica. Grow up. You're an adult. You know a man is not going to... Like, I used to be scared of Stranger, Stranger Things. I'm still not going to watch Stranger Things. I like the first season and the second season. I was kind of like... I was like, I'm just going to finish it because I already started it, but you're not going to give me for the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, hundredth. Like, it's just not my thing anymore. I don't hate on anybody who likes Stranger Things. If you're into it, that's cool. If I was, if I was at someone's house and they started watching Stranger Things, I would absolutely sit down and watch it with you because even though I don't watch the show on my own, I still love the characters and I love the story and I love the cast. Like the cast of Stranger Things, they're all incredibly talented, wonderful kids. They're so adorable and I love them so much. Um, but I remember when I started watching Stranger Things, like it was scary to me. It was. And I liked the show. I was into it. Season two, listen, y'all keep doing this. Y'all keep hurting my boy Will. Y'all need to leave him alone. All right. He's been through enough. Okay. I love him too much for this. And um, I remember watching season two and like being scared of like the Demogorgon. And I'll be like, I'll be like genuinely freaked out about the Demogorgon. But then I have to tell myself like, Monica, that is not real. What makes you think the Demogorgon is going to come to your house? You don't go in the woods, girl. It's not going to mess with you. It's going to mess with them kids. They have the connection. This is some scary, um, radioactive, uh, secret government facility in your town. Is there? No. And even if there was, you don't know that because you go home, you go to work and you go to church. You don't deal with nothing that's not your business. That's really how I got into horror movies fully. Because I was just like, I can watch this movie and have fun and not to worry about this ever happening to me. Because I'm never in any kind of shit that ain't got nothing to do with me. I'm never in any kind of business that ain't my business. Alright? I am about what my father's business. Okay? I'm good. Alright? I ain't gotta worry. If a serial killer comes and gets me, it's because I was sitting alone in a parking lot eating Wendy's <laughs> and feeling sad. But other than that, as long as I'm in my house, we Gucci. Okay, I live in suburbia. And I know that suburbia is the main setting for like all these horror movies. But from the horror movies I've seen, the serial killer has some secret vendetta and kind of like some kind of like grudge against somebody. And ain't nobody got any grudges on me. I am too nice. All right. I am just too John. I am too. I am genuinely a kind, wholesome, loving person, and ain't nobody got beef with me. And if you do, you got beef with yourself. Don't bring that to me. Just because you got beef with me, don't kill me, bro. <laughs> you gotta let it go. All right, live your life. That's what I gotta say. All right. If anybody got a voodoo doll out for me, you might as well just get rid of it now, girl. It ain't even worth it. I'ma let you know. You got to let that go. Let go and let God, you know, at the end of the day. If I did hurt you, God will take care of it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think another thing that I really do like about horror movies is... Um, I don't know how to say this really. 
I don't want to say this in a pretentious way. Uh, I... Damn, how do I... Let me just talk. I'll just say it. Okay. One reason why I really like horror movies is because the world is terrible. It's an awful place. <laughs> Earth is ghetto, guys. Especially America. Have you seen outside? It's a mess. Girl, do you know what's going on in the White House? I don't. Apparently they kicked out the speaker. For what? Girl, I don't even know. And to even get into it all, it's just like, why are we fighting? When people are hungry and the children can't read. Hello? Like, y'all got other fish to fry. Really? I think y'all are worried about the wrong thing. But I digress. The world is so terrible at times and there are so many horrible things happening and of course me myself I, I love to watch things that are wholesome and funny and things that warm my heart like my favorite show right now is Heartstopper I also love shows like Chewing Gum um, Schitt's Creek I love Kim's Convenience I love watching Bob's Burgers and The Great on Hulu uh, I love Southside on HBO Max Southside's one of my favorite shows ever I genuinely enjoy it. It's one of my favorites. And I love rewatching Dairy Girls on Netflix. You know, there are times when I am feeling down and blue and I am not feeling great about myself and I need to watch something that's going to make me feel comfortable. I need to be in my comfort zone. And when there are times where I need to shake myself out of comfort, I need to be aware and be conscious and be open and be mindful. And like times where I still want to be entertained, but I want something that's stimulating to me. I'm going to watch a horror movie. And I think that's really... Um, I think my interest in horror films has really shown how I've changed as a person because I used to be someone who used to thrive in comfort and thrive in the soft, warm pleasure of life and in my emotions. And I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be someone who is not hard and not cold hearted, but someone who is realistic it lives life consciously and lives life the purpose. And I don't know if horror movies is the way that I do that, but I think that one thing I've realized is the world is so terrible and screwed up and bad things happen and a lot of times we will not see the eye to eye with other people and it could be it may not even be in my lifetime that we uh figure out what to do about global warming um racism gender inequality how to treat the lgbtq community fairly and leave these kids alone abortion rights a number of things you know what i mean it's just like every single day every single year every single month every single week always trying to take away somebody's rights and sometimes the way i um decompress is by watching a horror film because the world is bad and sometimes you just gotta wake up and sit in the reality that things are bad right now things are not great it's not a great place to live and horror movies help me kind of explore the nature of evil and explore the way that people are and kind of understand how people's mind works. And I think I see that most in The Invisible Man, which is such a phenomenal movie. And of course it has like the undertones of talking about domestic violence and how that can affect you as a person. And I think another horror movie I really love is Spree. Um, it's a movie that stars, um, wow, I forgot to say a uh, homeboy from Stranger Things, he plays uh, the cool babysitter with the nice hair and he has sunglasses. He's in this movie called Spree. And it's this film about this guy who's a live stream 
kind of person. He live streams and he murders somebody on a live stream. Like he kills someone on a live stream, I believe. It's been a while since I've watched the movie. So if this isn't the correct um, synopsis, I'm sorry, but you, still, you should still watch the movie because it's really, really good. And people are watching and they're tuning in and they're like, who he's going to kill next? And everyone thinks it's fake. Everyone thinks it's just like for jokes. It's just for clicks. And some people are tuning in because they believe that he's actually killed somebody and they're tuning in. And it shows the depravity of humankind and a lot of times horror movies are my way of being able to grapple with the darkest parts of humanity it is how I can understand it and not cope with it but see it for what it is and understand the role that it plays in my life because a lot of things that happen to people that hurt them like people's rights being taken away I personally haven't been affected by it as of yet but I know that it deeply affects other people and I do feel true empathy and sadness for them and a lot of times like I I don't want these things to happen to people of course not I would want I I would love to live in a world where People don't go hungry. People don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. You can live the life you want to live without people questioning why you want to live that life and making you feel bad and putting you down and making you feel like you don't belong or you don't have a right to exist. I would love to live in a world where everyone feels like they are treated fairly and they feel loved. You know what I mean? Um, but sometimes that's just not how it goes. That's just how it is. It's tough, man. It's a tough world we live in. You know what I mean? It's not easy. But um, it's just strange. I know it's weird that I say like horror movies help me understand how terrible the world is. But they do. They gotta do. You know, sometimes horror movies are based in reality. If there's ever a horror movie that comes out and it's like, this is based on a real life story. I'm not watching it. I'm just like, you know, I'm not watching it. I will watch it if it's based in reality, but not that kind of reality, girl. Get me out of there. Okay. I'm good. Thank you. All right. Love you. Bye. Yeah. Using scary media as a way to cope with anxiety is very weird and very strange. But I mean, people use dark humor to cope with like crazy things happening. Like when we thought World War Three was going to happen, when Trump was in office, everybody was making jokes. Everybody was making jokes. They were laughing. Uh, but, uh, you know. That's how people are, especially our generation. Y'all can't take anything seriously. For real. For real. Yeah. I also want to talk about some of my favorite horror movies. I, I did want to talk about this thing that I saw on YouTube um, by this YouTuber called Film Fate Fatales. Shout out to her. She made a video about, um, I believe the movie came out in 2023, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I love that movie. It's so good. Excuse me. If you haven't seen the movie Bodies, 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 I'll give you a small synopsis of it. Uh, basically, it's about these... Um, the movie starts with these two girls. They're dating, right? One girl, fairly new, just started dating the other girl, right? And um, the new girl, the new girlfriend, is going to be hanging out with her girlfriend's friends. But she hasn't seen them in a while because she's basically been in rehab. And they find out, you know, that... The girlfriend's friends don't really like her. So the new girl is there. It's really awkward. It's really weird. It's really strange. And they're there at their friend's house for a hurricane party. And I may think, what if it's a hurricane party? It's when you go into someone's fancy house, you lock all the doors, and there's a hurricane going through the town, and you stay in there, and you're all cooped up together. And it's fun, right? 
Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is some kind is like a subversive slasher film, and it is a satire on Gen Z and the um, culture that they live in of, you know, fake relationships, um, social media, technology, addiction, and just the overall, um, the overall theme of the film is surface level relationships. And I love the movie. It was so good. And I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, I thought it was really smart. And it's really interesting to watch that movie because uh, I think when I watch it, the film Fatales brought up this point that it's a lot like Scream. And I love it when new movies kind of like are a, some, a reflection of older films. Because Scream also focuses on a young friend group. Um, Scream also kills the most f- famous person first. Sorry, spoilers for Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Pete Davidson dies first. And you don't know the other person on the line when you're talking to the Scream on the phone. But then again, you don't even know the Pete person on the other side of that screen in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. You don't even know the kind of person who's in front of you. Because all the people in Bodies, 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 all those girls, they have these surface level relationships where they don't really know the people that they hang around. They don't know them truly. And they just kind of like live these facades. I mean, very good film. Also, in Bodies, 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 all the women see each other as competitors, not as friends or for jokes competition, which I think would be cool, but for the attention of men. If you know the reference, <laughs> if you know the reference, you should come back to the podcast. If you know the reference, you should join the Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Um, I honestly don't want to record a really long episode. I just wanted to say this. Um, horror movies. It's not that I don't find them scary. I still find them scary. I just have fun with it now. I enjoy it now. If you don't like horror movies, that's fine. Don't shame me for like a horror movies. You know, that's all I wanted to say, really. And I think that um, horror movies are a good source of entertainment for people who don't like horror movies and they use the excuse of like cheap scares. There are horror movies, thrillers that are scary and interesting and they're good. Like, The Killing of the Sacred Deer. It's kind of a thriller, kind of not, but I think it's really good. uh, Midsummer. if you want to get into horror movies and you don't want something too scary, you should watch that. There's still some parts of it that are like, okay, but it's good. If you think horror movies are predictable, there are plenty of horror movies out there that are not predictable, that will keep you guessing. Like, one movie that I really love is Ready or Not. I already mentioned that already. Um, I think that's super, super good. Another horror movie I think is good, Fresh. It's definitely fresh. Um, I'm excited to see Five Nights at Freddy's because I'm not going to completely write off all horror remakes. I know this movie's good. You know why? Because Josh Hutcherson is in this. Let me tell you something. That boy, he's still been acting. Like He was in this show called Future Man on Hulu, which I haven't seen and I haven't seen anyone talk about, even though it was produced by Seth Rogen for some reason. <laughs> but um, the fact that he decided to grace us with his presence with this movie means that it's good. All right. My boy has taste. So I'm excited to see it. Um, a lot of times people say horror movies make you feel uncomfortable. I mean, there are a lot of horror movies that made me feel uncomfortable, like bones and all girl. I don't even know how I could sit through that pearl. Oh my gosh. Good movie. But girl, that movie was crazy. It was good, but it was crazy. Good. Crazy. Like, 
I'm watching this movie. I'm like, damn, we're really going this far. Um, yeah. I mean, another film that I love is Annihilation. It's not, it's kind of a horror film, kind of a sci-fi thriller. Definitely very interesting, very unique. Um, definitely out there. Uh, if you think that horror movies are original, you should check out Annihilation. And you should also watch Escape Room, which I think is really, really, really good. One thing I find annoying sometimes about horror movies is when they put all the scares in the trailer. And then when you watch the movie, there's nothing for you to be excited about. Like, why would you even, why would you do that? Why would you ruin it for me? Why would you give me the whole movie? Like, the trailer for Pet Cemetery, they literally put the whole movie in the trailer. Like, I went to go see another scary movie. And I saw a Pet Cemetery trailer in the previews. And then immediately I was pissed off. I was like, okay, so now I know everything that happens in this movie. So there's no point in me watching it. So you're just wasting my time. And now you're not getting my money. So why would you do this? Hmm? Why would you do this to me? What's what's the point? Hello? Yeah. Also, there are a lot of horror movies that have come out that are unlike any other horror movies you've ever seen. Uh, I would say Mandy, which is a Nicolas Cage film awesome happy death day is definitely really good it falls into like the comedy horror but still horror if you watch something that's kind of horror but it's a lot more funny and like a little lighter on the mood i would say watch what we do in the shadows it's a mockumentary film starring taika watiti i'm not sure if he uh produced or wrote the movie i think he has some kind of um he definitely has some kind of behind the scenes credits for the film it's basically a movie about these three vampires that live in Staten Island and like what is that like and it's a really really good movie it's actually one of my favorites and there is a show that is a spin-off based off of the film and the show is phenomenal it's an amazing extension of the movie I think it's a lot of fun I really feel like you'll love it um definitely definitely check it out yeah and I just wanted to say that if you guys have any um questions for me or any comments or anything that arose while listening to this episode that you would like to say uh feel free to dm me on instagram not me personally dm us on the instagram the podcast instagram you could leave questions or comments in spotify now because there's a q a section so you know feel free to do that um subscribe to the patreon as well and uh one last thing before i go uh, I've been seeing a lot of people talk about the death of cinema and I'm sick of this shit. I'm sick of this argument. I'm sick of this topic being brought up. I'm tired of y'all. It's so annoying. Um, someone who's a phenomenal, uh, YouTuber, Patrick H. Wells, I think that's the same. I may have said that wrong. And if I did, sir, I'm so sorry. You are incredibly like the kind of content he makes. You could, I could only wish to, uh, create that level and quality of content. Like he's really, really talented. Okay. He made this uh, hour and a half video talking about the death of cinema. And there are a lot of reasons why cinema is dying, as he said in the video. Because uh, when movies were first coming out, a lot of times... Okay, when movies were first coming out, people would go see movies to see a movie star. They would go see a movie because Silver Sil- Sylvester Stone... Sil- oh, sorry, sorry, guess his name people go see a movie because sylvester stallone is in the film people go see a movie because tom cruise is in the film people go see a movie because jack nicholson um jessica roberts a movie star is in the movie you know 
And nowadays, it's not the case. And um, that was the case mainly in the 90s and then the 2000s. You have these films like Harry Potter. You have these films like Star Wars. Well, Star Wars didn't come out in 2000s, did it? I'm not even going to Google it because whatever. And then there is uh, Lord of the Rings. And that's when um, studios realized that we can make movies based off of a... um, already existing IP because there's a built-in fan base and people go see that movie to see these stories you know brought to life and they can make money off the existing fan base already and then what they also learned with Spider-Man was that superhero movies is even bigger get because you can make billions of dollars off this thing like comic movies can go on forever because they're meant to go on forever and then what happened was Marvel, of course. And that's why a lot of people say that Marvel killed cinema. It's not that Marvel killed cinema. It's really just capitalism. Okay, studios want to make more money. They figured out what movies made more money. So they kept making those movies. And then they built an entire, a giant studio behind it. That now, um, whenever a Marvel movie comes out, more people go see that than they see a small indie film. Because people are not seeing um poignant dramas anymore like they used to but i think that people are still watching poignant dramas nowadays you know they may not have the same draw and the same box office appeal or the same numbers that like the new captain marvel movie will get but people are still going to see the movies people are still going to see the, going to watch them also they're streaming you know things are being released on a streaming service and they're being released in the theaters or sometimes they are released for a short theatrical release so they don't make as much money in the box office and recently um thanks to david zaslav there have been movies and tv shows being deleted and removed from uh streaming and online libraries so now people cannot revisit and rewatch things that they loved and Disney, the monopoly that it is, is eating and swallowing up all these smaller studios and all these smaller enterprises and um, services that were essentially online libraries of older films and movies and TV shows. And now that these are being done away with because they're not seen as profitable, quote unquote, there is, you know, a deficit when it comes to the online library of, uh, you know, visual media. There are a number of reasons as to why cinema is dying. You could also say um, the death of the movie star because people don't go see a movie to see Chris Evans. People don't go see a movie to see Chris Hemsworth. People don't go see a movie to see Anthony Mackie. They go to see X-Men. They go to see uh, Captain Marvel. They go to see uh, 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 Captain America. And even though Chris Evans is a talented and very handsome actor, because there aren't any movie stars anymore, quote unquote. Um, There aren't really strong roles for these people to play except being in terrible streaming service, streaming movies like Ghosted. But I will have to say, I don't think that there is a death of a movie star. There are movie stars out there. Like Zendaya, she's definitely a movie star. She's definitely an it girl. Every movie she's in, people will go see and everyone will go watch it. I think Timothy Chalamet is a movie star. I think there are a number of movie stars out there. And I feel like a lot of times when these publications um, are trying to get data or try to get um, answers for the questions they have for their articles, they are reaching out to people who are in their generation and not reaching out to the younger generation. 
you know because young people will tell you who they like to watch it who they like to listen to it who they're interested in you know what i mean harry styles is becoming a movie star people love harry styles bad bunny bad bunny i'm sad that he's not gonna be in the marvel movie but i still think he would be a really good actor i think he's very talented um there are also a number of reasons as to why uh people are not interested in movies anymore you could say it's because of phones because now when people watch movies they have to be on their phones and they're not glued to the screen and not interested in the screen but you could also i think you're also wrong because parasite is one of the most popular well-liked beloved and one of the most um watched films really um from the 2020s and the movie isn't even in english it's subtitles all right how are you gonna be on your phone and watch a movie with subtitles explain that to me baby girl um also it's not just Marvel movies that are making a huge impact. Everything, everywhere, all at once is a movie that was so different and so unique and so amazing. So many people loved it. It's one of the most reviewed movies on Letterboxd. You know, La La Land is also really well loved and one of the most viewed movies on and on Letterboxd as well. You know what I'm saying? Like... And I also think that like sometimes like remake sequels are not bad. I know that making movies based off of already existing intellectual properties can be stupid. Like a Super Mario movie and an Angry Birds movie. But the Barbie movie did super well. It's not simply because it's Barbie. It's because Barbie is an emotional film that talks about what it's like to be a woman and realizing who you are in the world and your place there and how barbie fits into it but also what barbie represents to people and what it represented to so many others it wasn't a perfect movie no of course not it wasn't meant to be a perfect movie but it was still good and i cried okay i loved that movie okay greta gerwig you are the, a queen all right that's my girl right there y'all can't say nothing about my girl greta all right leave my white woman alone <laughs> yeah also people watch tv more like people are watching tv tv now has the same quality and production value that movies have and television i mean overall it's just a lot more interesting than movies like to watch a two-hour movie is way too much girl but to watch five hours of television i will be there okay people are just into tv a lot more and another thing is that i'm not people don't have disposable income anymore you know what I mean? Not a lot of people have the money to go to the movie theater. People would rather stay at home. You spend so much money on these different streaming platforms. Of course, you're going to watch the movie on streaming. And of course, a lot of these streaming libraries are bloated with all these different um, titles. So people are paralyzed with choice. But people still watch the things they want to watch and watch the things they're attracted to and watch the things they're interested in. If you're someone who likes things that are dark and gritty, you'll like Black Mirror. You'll like shows like Red Rose. You'll like shows like Dark. If you like things that are wholesome and fun, you'll watch shows like Heartstopper. You'll watch shows like Sex Education. You know, you'll be into that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? There are a number of reasons as to why cinema is dying. There's a number of reasons as to why. And I think that saying Marvel is just a red herring. I don't think that's a plausible thing to say. I don't think it's really strong. Um, of course, there are people who will say like, oh, the reason why someone is dying because there are too many political, there's too much political messaging in TV nowadays. 
And to that I say, well, girl, watch something else. Like, damn, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah, but I do encourage everybody to, um, you know, invest in physical media. Because uh, that's honestly a better alternative. And I also think that like horror movies are having a huge like renaissance nowadays because it's better to watch horror movies in the theater it's better to watch horror movies with other people you don't want to be at home alone watching horror movies like of course you can be that's fine i'm not going to judge you i'm not going to shame you for it if that's what you like then that's what you like but it's better to watch horror movies with other people and have it be like a community kind of activity you know what i mean that's what makes it fun that's what makes it cool that's what makes it great that's what i love okay and yeah that's another reason why cinema is dying there's a decline in audience numbers overall and sometimes it's down to what's being offered sometimes it's down to what's being put out and sometimes it's just because ain't nobody got money and ain't nobody got time because everybody gotta work nowadays and by the time you have time to watch a movie in theaters it's already on streaming so you may as well just stay your stay your happy ass at home that's all i'm saying <sighs> yeah overall i would like to thank you all for being on the pod with me today and listening to me ramble and rant and rave about movie and cinema i hope you enjoyed it i hope you liked it i hope you had fun um if there's anything else you guys would like for me to discuss in the future girl just let me know dm the podcast i've been meaning to watch um, on Instagram, that may not be your Instagram handle. You'll find it. You'll find it. It's in the description, girl. It's all good. Thank you again, wonderful listeners. You have been an amazing audience. Thank you for lending me your ears. Next week, I'll be back. New guests, new pod, new topic every single week. Except for this week, this is a solo episode, but that's fine. Uh, tell your friends and family about your favorite podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. And don't forget to follow us on all our social media. And don't forget to join the Patreon. Never forget to join the motherfucking Patreon. All right. I'll see you guys in another episode. Bye-bye.